So, as we continue then in the message for this morning, I want to comment, go back to last week for just a second, and tell you that the big idea about this series is this, that God uses what we often consider upside down to uncover his radical love and his redemptive purposes. It's all about sight. Everything we see is upside down. Everything we see is going to be upside down until it's properly interpreted. Now, we have a natural illustration of this, and it's the human eye, all right? I'm going to show you that in this brief video. Let's go ahead and bring that video up. So this is the human eye. And as, as you look at something, it comes in through you, the lens of your eye, and it's flipped upside down. As you can see on the back of the retina there, that candlestick is flipped upside down. That's actually the way you look at things. It's not until that image that's upside down travels the optic nerve, gets to the back of the brain in the occipital lobe that it is righted or made upside down. And so what we learned last week and what I submit to you is that most of life, your circumstances, your struggles, your temptations, relationships, a job, your career, all sorts of things, your marriage can certainly appear to be upside down because everything's upside down. And we've never been in a time you and I haven't ever lived in a time when the world is upside down. That's how we see it. But as that thing travels the Holy Spirit canal of your relationship with Jesus and gets to the mind of God, God, as you just trust him, pray, read scriptures, fellowship with others, you begin to get the mind of God and it will flip those circumstances right side up so that you have a proper perspective. I believe that God is actually orchestrating his intentional plan and purpose to flip or to write the image of how we perceive right in the middle of our day regardless Regardless of what's happening, God will write or flip what you are seeing, what you're believing, what you're feeling about those circumstances so that it is right side up in his economy, in his truth, and in his love. You know, there's something that happens on Sunday morning that hundreds of thousands, even millions of people do that these individuals consider to be very important to their lives, their happiness, their faith, personal growth, even their opportunity to help others. And it's called church. Many of these individuals have developed misgivings, though, about church. Some have even been hurt or offended, and in some cases abused by the very system and practices that they once treasured, and helped promote. For some, these systems have degenerated into painful practices and relationships that they're now trying to forget or completely deconstruct from. What do I mean? Well, 
you hear people say that church isn't relevant for me anymore or that I was abused, even possibly sexually. There's just too much rejection at church. There's no acceptance. Attitudes are very judgmental. People are very opinionated and judgmental. They're always trying to force conformity at that church. There seems to be such a tribalism, a separatist view. It's we and they. and I just don't seem to fit. I am reflecting on actual conversations that I have had through the years and especially over the past five to six, seven years with many, many people who are now deconstructing in their faith. There's a waning trust of those who are declared to be the authorities and the teachers. We have a very mobile society now. The internet, of course, gives us access to information right now and immediately, and that changes how we perceive reality, whether things are flipped upside down or whether we've had time with God to allow him to write them. And then, of course, there's the political idolatry that's going on in our nation like no other. Take a look at this chart, if you would. I'm going to look with you here on the screen. Notice, this is church membership among U.S. adults is now below 50% for the first time in our history. Carol, help me out by turning off those first four lights back there. Would you please remember you did this in the past for me, and it's those, those first four that will give us a little bit better view of the screen. So once again, church membership now below 50%. Notice, in 1940, 1945 to 50, it was as high as 76% of adults in America claim to be churchgoers and have a walk of faith. Look where that is in 2020, 47%. For the first time in our history, it's below 50%. According to Brian Zahn in his book, When Everything Catches Fire, deconstruction is, quote, a crisis of Christian faith that leads to either a reevaluation of Christianity or sometimes a total abandonment of Christianity. And we're seeing a lot of that today as well. So, first and foremost, deconstruction is not synonymous with deconversion. While everyone who deconverts from Christianity probably deconstructs first, not everyone who deconstructs deconverts. That's a crucial distinction to make here. Now, I believe Jesus addresses this scenario and this situation that we are currently experiencing in the United States and in our churches today. He does it in the most unlikely way through a discussion with a woman who one day while he was traveling, he arrived at a well, which is where the people of the town would go outside of the city to the town well to get water. And he was resting there and he had no way of getting water out of the well. And a woman walked up. Someone he was not supposed to be around. Someone his religion forbade him to talk to or even engage with. 
and definitely someone that if the gatekeepers of moral right and wrong found out, he'd be roundly criticized and perhaps even run out of town or stoned. I want to show you a clip of that discussion with that woman that very likely went this way. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? And a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would, except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. 
<laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise.
everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You're what, dear? You forgot your, um... Papi, a man who told me everything I ever did! <laughs> I don't know how many times I've cried watching that. I was taken with her comment early in the discussion when she said, Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Speaking of her water pot. That's how religious people get. You and me, your faith, you believe the Bible, I believe the Bible this way. Well, your lifestyle is unacceptable to me. This, just this whole. And how pervasive is this, if I'm good, if I'm obedient, if I try hard, then I'll be rewarded and blessed of God. God will hear me. He will like me. It's even in our Christmas songs, right? Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Let's have those lights back up, please. Oh, thank you, Father. We are taught from the time of infancy that performance must be added to God's goodness in order for us to be blessed. Allowance, children's allowance. What's that tied to? How about scholastic achievements? Studying for a better grade. It's tied to performance. Receiving a raise at work for hard work, being more diligent. Exercise in order to be healthier. Beauty for people to accept you. Practice and build skill so that you can get chosen for a certain team. Live morally for God's approval. Believe correctly to be saved and go to heaven. Pray correctly so that God will heal you. Almost everything in our life and in our conversation, in our relationships, and yes, in our churches is based on on a skewed, upside-down view of God. It is not God's grace alone. It is God's grace plus. I have to do this. I have to believe this way. I have to be good enough. Recently, I offered prayer support from ourselves, me and Nina, and our church prayer chain. This was the response. We're open only to prayers from those who are in 100% agreement. 
I know people have loving, precious hearts, but some people don't have a complete trust in God's word, inference like we do. We believe healing is 100%, not sometimes. 100% always. Translation of that? No, thank you. God hears and answers our prayers in a different way than your prayers because we do and believe the Bible in a way more accurately, a God-approving way. Our level of faith will move God's hand and cause his blessings. Prayers offered in a manner short of this kind of faith will actually hinder healing. Dear ones, I submit to you, God is not a punishment and reward cosmic judge. And at Genesis gathering, as we go forward now into 2023, I am going to do everything within my power and with my team of leadership, we're going to do everything within our power to strip Genesis gathering of that kind of thought, that kind of presumption, that kind of projection that kind of feeling and attitude. We want people to be able to come to Genesis gathering who are not like us, who don't believe what we believe, who don't pray like we pray, who have never prayed, prayed, who have prayed time and time again and not received answers and now they're mad at God. I want to create a place called a gathering to where none of that matters except that you sense God's acceptance of you just the way that you are. I have an image here for you I want to show you. Jesus plus blank. Fill it in. You fill in the blank. Jesus plus what? What are you thinking right now? Jesus plus something I have to do, something I have to be good at, some I have to perform, I have to pray this certain way, I have to, you know what that equals? religion but I say to you that it should look like this Jesus plus anything you do or have to add equals religion and I I misspoke it shouldn't look like that it should not look like that there is no plus Pastor West said this morning in his beautiful message, you don't go to church to get better. You don't get involved in volunteerism to be better or to get God's approval. You see, when Jesus uttered the words, it is finished on the cross, he meant it. It's finished. In Acts chapter 10, verse 28, he told them, it says, You understand how wrong it is for a Jew to associate or visit with unbelievers? But God has shown me that I should stop calling anyone common or unclean. Stop it. And yet, at the majority of meeting places that we call church, that adhere to a staunch evangelical theological doctrine, There is anything but acceptance 
And if you don't believe like we do, practice like we do, do it the way we do, and belong to our church, and you're not living a moral life, and so on and so forth, you are common and you are unclean, and you are not of us until you get all that right and you change. And I submit to you that that view of Christianity and God is upside down. And it's going to take the mind and heart of God to write it, to flip it back up the way that it should be. Yep, here at Genesis Gathering, we're going to turn things upside down. What if, instead of being preached to, talked at, and told, you listened, then discussed, explored, and challenged? That's what you're going to begin hearing. That's what's going to begin happening on Sunday mornings. We're even going to put chairs in the round and have tables. The goal isn't to change you. What if the goal wasn't and isn't to change you? What if the focus of gathering isn't to teach you to receive, but to cultivate community, caring, and service? What if instead of attending this gathering to experience an event, we help create an event that friends, outsiders, homeless, unchurched, marginalized, queer, want to attend. See, religion begins with what's missing, what's wrong, how to correct it, how to join up, hold on, and then you too can go where a select few of us are going to go. I think it's called heaven. I, I'm not sure anymore. I... I Jesus, on the other hand, he begins with, I came to reveal you in the Father, to remove anything which hinders you from seeing and experiencing his presence, to reveal that we all, regardless of your faith, regardless of your gender, regardless of your personal belief or your practice, we are one community and God has reconciled the world to himself. It's not Jesus plus. There's no plus. It is simply what he has done. What if instead of a bulletin, you were handed a burrito? Now, I actually, Nina and I had these burritos this past week. We went to the source and the place that's going to be providing our morning Sunday burritos and they provided us with three of them and we split the third one. Oh my goodness, these burritos are to, may I say, die for? <laughs> they are so good. And when we kick this thing off into full gear, when you walk in the doors instead of a bulletin, you're going to get a burrito. Love instead of disfavor, care instead of condemnation, kindness instead of judgment, mercy instead of power, freedom instead of prohibition, affirmation instead of rejection. That will be the hallmark of Genesis Gathering.